Welcome to the Mind Vine Podcast, where we challenge the stigma associated with mental illness through conversations about a variety of issues impacting mental health. Here we bring you news, views, and interviews that intrigue, educate, and celebrate recovery. Leading us on this journey are the hosts of the Mind Vine Podcast, Daryl Mathers and Chris Bovey. Well, welcome to a special edition of the Mindvine podcast. So we don't normally have it here in the lobby, but this is kind of a, a special day here at Ontario Shores. This is what we're calling Human Rights Day. And uh, part of the purpose is to have real, genuine conversations about human rights and, and themes associated with it. And uh, I'm usually, uh, my name is Daryl Mathers, for those listening online. I'm usually with my co-host Chris Bovey, but he, uh, he won't be here today. But We've got three great guests uh, who are filling in, and we're going to have some really interesting conversation. And we'll do the formal introductions in a bit, but I just wanted to touch on you know, the human rights work that we're doing at Ontario Shores. I was saying I don't usually have this many notes when I do a podcast. <laughs> I usually have a couple things written down, but here I've got about six or seven pages. So it would be a, a little bit of background about, about human rights. So, the Ontario Human Rights Commission has uh, stated that it's beneficial for organizations to collect socioeconomic dat- data to help better understand themselves and the, and the people that are working for them, the people they're serving. And, and we're uh, undertaking that journey here at Ontario Shores. Today is the official launch of our diversity survey where we're collecting that information. Uh, we're doing so until February 14th, so if you're watching this between now and then, please consider taking the five minutes to fill out that that survey and, and help us as an organization understand ourselves uh, that much better. And one of the things when we talk about human rights is it's, it's almost like a buzzword uh, to an extent and we, we want to kind of talk about the themes underlying human rights a little bit more, diversity and inclusivity uh, specifically. And so to help us uh, do that is my, my panel today. So. I'll introduce uh, Jane Snyder, Director of Strategic Initiatives. And we have Megan Camera, she's a social worker in our borderline personality and self-regulation clinic. I'm glad I got that off my list. And Faisal from uh, Research and Academics. So uh, I was saying just before we got going that uh, typically when we have people on the podcast, um, you know, whether they're from the organization or not, they have kind of um, something they want to promote, whether it's the work they're doing or a program or We've had people who are promoting books, but um, here, this is a completely selfless act. Um, they're here, somewhat uncomfortable, based on our previous conversations, but because of something that they feel is very important. So before we even start, I want to give a round of applause, seeing as we have an audience for their participation. So thank you and welcome. And we're going to just have a, a, a real conversation about human rights. So when I say the word human rights, and specifically on Ontario Shores, what does that, what does that mean to you guys? Yeah. Uh, so human rights to me at Ontario Shores, or maybe human rights anywhere, to me means being in an environment where there's no discrimination. Um, that prohibits people from exercising their justifiable rights. So a place that is fair, whether it is justifiable rights from uh, gender, sexual orientation, color, background, just being in an environment that actually does remove barriers that uh, allow people to be treated fairly. 
I mean, to me, the human rights is uh, the recognition that uh, we as a human being are different. So it's not possible that all human beings can belong to the same uh, dominant uh, group. So people are coming from the different uh, groups, and those differences should not be used to profile or to discriminate uh, the people who doesn't belong to that group. And when we talk about like diversity and inclusion, so if we had a, an, whether it's a society or organization or whatever that was um, meeting the standard of diversity and inclusivity, what do you think that would look like? So for me, I think it starts with human rights. It starts with that acknowledgement that there are certain uh, laws and expectations. And then it goes beyond that. It goes beyond tolerance or even just acceptance. It goes beyond it to embrace that actually diversity is beneficial to all of us, whether we identify as a certain condition under the Human Rights Code. The fact that having a d diverse uh, sort of fabric of our environment and with the people is so beneficial and it's so welcoming, when, especially in an organization where we talk a lot about reducing stigma and that's one of those main things that we can do to reduce that is to embrace diversity, say, yeah, we all come from different stories and that's okay. I think, I think diversity for me means um, an environment that, an environment that's inclusive, open-minded, and uh, and accepting. Uh, and while we can talk about that from a race, religion, gender, and everything else that comes with it that is generally talked about, I think for me it also means being in a place that allows. Uh, safety or freedom to be able to express ideas, an environment where people feel that they are comfortable ex expressing their ideas in different perspectives. Yeah, so I mean, to me, diversity or inclusion is that, uh, I mean, number one, the people are not excluded on the basis of their beliefs or their gender, their orientation, their, uh, uh, their color, uh, and uh, there is an environment, as uh, Jean pointed out, that uh, where those differences could be harnessed in order to bring, to make it beneficial for the society, for the organization, for the culture that can make it more open, transparent, and uh, tolerant. Specifically to you know, human rights in the workplace, it sounds like you know, a, an environment that's meeting the standard is, is essentially a comfortable place to work, right? You're comfortable to be yourself. What are some of the barriers maybe that you've experienced um, that prevent you from being yourself in the workplace? Well, I think for, for me, I identify as a lesbian, and so sometimes it can be the, the dialogue that happens um, around disclosure. So uh, many staff may feel quite comfortable saying, like my husband and kids, say if they're, they're heterosexual, uh, to certain clients, and it's not even thought of as personal disclosure. Whereas if I was to do that, some of the barriers that I've come across in the history have been being in environments where that's been told that that's okay for someone who's, say, hetero, but for someone who's not hetero, please don't disclose that. So there's actually been, you know, mm. a sense of, of true uh, exclusion, mm. of limiting that right. That's been a barrier. Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, the, uh, the key thing is that uh, we have the strategies or the mechanism in place that if I feel that my rights being violated, I have a confidence that how to claim uh, my rights. I need capacity, I need awareness, education, and tools uh, to, uh, to check with 
and to make sure that if there is any violation to my rights, I, there is a system, there is an environment that's going to support me. When, when we talk about um, your experience and your experience, and um, a lot of it comes down to the conversation and language. Like we've talked about that. We had a bit of a pre-meeting uh, before the podcast the, last week just to talk about you know, your different experiences. And uh, we fumble a lot of times with language. And, and uh, we're, we're, I think it comes from a good place. I, you know, a lot of, in a lot of cases, I think people, they, they're not familiar. Or they, you know, they're not sure how to, uh, to address a follow-up question. So they just pull back. And, and they shut things down. And, and uh, what would, what would, how would you like people to approach those kind of conversations where they're, they're uncomfortable and maybe unfamiliar? I think through curiosity, I think we are all diverse. I think just being able to be curious about other people and ask the questions and not feel that you can't ask the question because it might uh, you know, offend someone. I mean, when I say curious, it's curious with respect. So, um, for example, I, I was at a meeting here. Or I was in a discussion here at work, and we're talking about how, you know, we could include uh, black people. So it was called black hair care. I would call it care um, focused on the black community. and. It was an interesting conversation from my perspective because that conversation I felt stopped prematurely because I could tell that there were questions around, what do you mean by black hair care? Is it different from white hair care? And it's different. I think the, the topic was not uncomfortable. It's the fact that that conversation did not go forward because it would have been nice to have a conversation where people learn, it's actually different, and how different is it, and what do you mean But that conversation just died? So how, do we, how are we able to kind of talk about things like that um, comfortably so that we are curious and educate each other and be able to celebrate each other's differences, uh, embracing each other's differences in a workplace? I love that you use the description fumble because I think that is actually a part of us embracing this diversity as being willing to fumble, to ask a question and potentially get a response that is, I'm actually not comfortable talking about that. I'd prefer that you ask that from someone else and that that be okay too. That just because someone does identify from a certain you know, uh, area of diversity doesn't mean that they have to be the expert of that. That they can say, no, actually I don't want to talk about that. But that the fact that the questions are out there it actually allows for that learning to happen. It makes it safer, actually, to have the, those uncomfortable dialogues. And I think sometimes we, we make these preconceived notions that it's different. That Because when you have an interaction with anybody, regardless of what your relationship is, you make choices about how much you're going to disclose, regardless of you know, what community you might represent, right? And a lot of it depends on your familiarity with the person, your respect for that person and your relationship. And I think when we get in those situations where we're a little uncomfortable, we, we don't use that rational part of our brain to say, this is just like any other relationship yeah. that I have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just talking about, you used a great term called like a curious respect. And when we were talking last week, Faisal, you, you mentioned that um, you, know, you pray at work. And uh, sometimes people come looking for you, and uh, they'll knock on your door, or they'll call you, and, 
and maybe they know you're in your office, but you, you, know, you, you wait until you're finished, and uh, then you go and you seek them out, and you use it kind of as a, as a learning opportunity, and I wonder if you could talk a bit about that. Yeah, so I mean, it's not over here, it's my previous workplace as well, because uh, being a Muslim, we have to pray five times, and uh, which means that, especially in winter, uh, some of our prayers do come during our work hours, so we have to take a quick break in order to do, to do the prayer. And uh, it happens that sometimes people come, they see me praying, they wait, um, and once I finish my prayer, I just go out, communicate with them, thanking them, and telling them that this is a prayer, and if I'm praying, I'm not allowed to tell or to say anything during that prayer. It doesn't mean that I'm not respectful to you, it's just about the obligation. And sometimes if I feel through the body language that the person is, doesn't have any background on that, I can even uh, uh, finish my prayer early or just uh, disrupt my prayer and just go out and say, well, sorry for that, I was just praying and during the prayer, I'm not allowed to say anything, but that's fine, I can still disrupt my prayer. And once we can finish this conversation, I can go back and, and do the prayer. So what I found is that it's not only just for the prayer, but also being a Muslim, we have to fast, and we have to fast for one full month. Um, and during the fasting, I know some of my colleagues, some of the people uh, who I engage work, uh, who I engage with, um, they do come and they surprise and they say, okay, how can you survive without eating and without drinking for the, for the entire day? And I just took this opportunity to tell them it's not only just a religious obligation, it's also about because it helps us to feel about those who don't eat and who don't drink. And using those small opportunities to find a connection, what I found that the people who are not Muslims, they also fast. And they sometimes also come to me and say, okay, today I'm also fasting. So which means that even though I did it from my own perspective, but I was able to connect with those uh, uh, people uh, who doesn't belong to the same religion, but they do have the same rituals in, uh, uh, in their uh, religion. So what, what the point is that that being a person who is different or being people who are different, there are always some connection. But if we stop the conversation, if we don't dialogue, if we don't try to learn or unlearn, then we might not we might be in uh, trouble because the people can do the stereotyping, they can use those things in order to uh, make some preconceived notions mm -hmm. about you. But if you can just reach out to them if you try to engage them, if you try to say, okay, this is what I do, what do you do? What are your characteristics? What are your uniqueness? Uh, where we can find some connection? It's always helpful to come up with those strategies where you can first unlearn, you'll be open to others, and then communicating with them in order to find synergies and connections among ourselves. And it builds relationships, right? It, you know, it's a starting point maybe for a lot of people in terms of building a relationship. Megan, you mentioned last week as well that in your work, disclosing your sexual orientation can help build relationships with clients as well. Yeah, absolutely. There are definitely occasions where um, you can, in, by disclosing, demonstrate the, the fact that it is possible to um, live what, you know, what someone might want in terms of the life uh, and not identify as, as hetero or um, to, um, to have that moment of maybe even like a bit of just a relationship that, oh, because of that, then it maybe gives you an understanding that I've struggled too in terms of navigating a system or a world that isn't always inclusive. So there's that, that humanness. It, I, in a way, I guess it just makes me 
like a real fallible human just like all of us, <laughs> which can be a great tool in terms of uh, connection. I wonder, you know, we mentioned, or I mentioned earlier that, you know, this wasn't a necessarily an easy decision for all of you to come up here and, and, and talk about uh, issues that are personal to you, but you all agreed to. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, what compelled you to, to say yes to something like this? I think Ambar pressured me. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I thought, I, I thought it was a good idea. And uh, um, it's just being able to see um, this subject of diversity in, um, you know, in different ways. I, I'm married to uh, a white boy from small town Manitoba. And so he, he asked questions about the black culture that he couldn't ask at work, so he learns that from me. And uh, so I kind of thought about all the examples that I've had from that perspective. Um, he recently asked me an example. Another example was he had encountered this gentleman at work, and he described what this gentleman would be doing five times a day at work in the bathroom. And he was baffled at, at what this gentleman was doing. And, so when he described what the gentleman was doing, I said, no, he's preparing for prayer. It's called voodoo, and I kind of went through what it is, and I said to him, why don't you go and ask him what he's doing? He's like, oh, no, 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 he might be offended. You can't talk about those things at work. I said, no, 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 go and ask him. It's called curiosity, ask him. And he did go and ask him, and they kind of bonded, and this gentleman explained to him what he was doing and why he was doing it. And they exchanged that kind of created that relationship. So for me, uh, I'd be interested in being a part of creating that environment where we can educate each other about our differences and be able to celebrate our differences uh, because we are diverse and we have great stories and we have a lot to educate each other uh, about without having that fear. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so what drives me to come over is the notion that uh, uh, we don't need to change in order to fit in. So it's about uh, taking pride of who I am and uh, recognizing that the people are different from me and just reaching out to them and to see, well, these are my stories and what are your stories? For me, why I chose to be a part of it is I think we're at a place at Ontario Shores where we're really beginning to do a lot of this work, that there's more work to be done. And if I could share a perspective or open up a dialogue that way, then I'm happy to be a part of it from sort of the ground up. Yeah. And you're actually a part of it on the wave up. Um, so <laughs> yeah. For, yeah. for those who don't know, Megan participated in our Human Rights Matters to Me campaign where people kind of um, have... have posed for video and they've chosen a statement that means something to you around human, uh, human rights. And I'm wondering, because it's on every, I don't know, 25 to 30 seconds or so at the hospital, what's the reaction been like from, from your colleagues? I would say for the most part, it's been very positive. Like really like, hey, I saw you. It was great to walk in and good that you're doing it. Um, and, and then my most sort of favorite experience was uh, someone asked me, why would I be up there for diversity? Because I guess looking like I look like a Caucasian female like what what are you doing up there and actually it was a great moment to have dialogue on how um, human rights and diversity again is good for us all and that any one of us actually could stand up there and say human rights matters to me and it doesn't matter what uh, tenants under the human rights code that I fit in mm -hmm. so uh, yeah it's been a wonderful experience actually 
I think, you know, for me, one of the biggest takeaways in like talking to you today and, and last week is, and, and as somebody who grew up in a town similar to small town Manitoba, which isn't very diverse, you know, we're taught, or I was taught at a young age, like you see something different, or you see somebody that doesn't look just like you, or you see something that happening that makes you uncomfortable, you just put your head down, you don't stare, you don't ask questions, you just keep moving, and, and we're kind of we're kind of challenging that, you know, in a, in a very respectful way, and I think hopefully a conversation like the one we're having just gives somebody the courage to have, to ask a curious question in a respectful way in another facet of their life, so thank you very much for for agreeing to do this. You guys were great. Um, for everybody here and watching online, please uh, complete the diversity survey by February 14th. I think it's a big step in, in our journey and there's, there's more to come, but um, thank you very much. Thank you all and it was, uh, it was a great chat. Thank you so much. Yeah.